Welcome back, everybody, to the show. My name is Josh Forty, and today we have a very special guest, someone that I have not talked to since, well, I guess we've chatted over Instagram a little bit here and there, but uh, last time <laughs> you were on was uh, in the middle of COVID, dude, right? Like right when the chaos of everything started, you were in some cabin somewhere. Uh, author of the book, Exactly What to Say, which fascinating book, by the way, we'll get to that. Uh, please help me welcome Phil Jones. Welcome. Thank you, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, okay, so... A couple quick things about the book. So I actually went back and I looked at when I bought this book because I was like, because I've known about this book, I feel like since it came out. And when I graduated high school, I swore that I would never read another book again. Joke's on me. Um, and I got an entrepreneurship like probably around 2016. And it was probably about a year and a half to two years into that, that I started reading again. And this was one of the first books. I think this is like one of the first 10 to 15 books I bought um, back in like yeah. late 2017. So that's when it came out. Yep. Fantastic book, right? Very simple, very straight to the point. I want, I do want to get into that, but more importantly, I want to pick up and kind of like rewind back to COVID, you know, 2020, right? When uh, we last yep. talked April, what, what have you been up to since then? Oh, what have I been up to? I mean, through the whole COVID chapter, I've done what I always done, which is, is to help businesses navigate change. That's been my business forever. So the COVID time was actually a land of opportunity is I do a, a huge amount of work in corporations and support the B2B bigger company space. And through 2021, there were a lot of middle management leaders. So SVPs in big companies that had no idea how to lead and no idea how to be able to nice. sell and no idea how to be able to understand as to what do we do with our people during this time period. So my time in that time was helping people understand how to influence from a social distance, what they could do to uh, retrain sales teams so they could be effective in a from-home environment, help people how to understand to win and maintain relationships without taking people for lunch and buying them steak dinners. And it was very much a let me reinvent training programs <coughs> and leadership programs from the inside out inside sales corporations. I've also do 80 or so keynote speeches a year in a variety of different environments. So that hasn't stopped for me. Um, and even through the COVID period is we reinvented and understood what virtual looked like. We um, learned all the new tools between switches and new microphones and how to convert a presentation from a, from a PowerPoint to digital blackboards and learn from the streamers and all of that kind of stuff that, <clears throat> that was kind of cool. And, I was one of the first back out the blocks doing live in-person training. So just, you know, just a few casual, small things here and there, right? Yep. Just yep. keeping yourself started busy. Then started a certification program. So we've now licensed 37 people to teach parts of our content, um, turned the book into a video book, turned the book into um, a set of role play cards that we're doing great with. We um, run high-end mastermind retreats here at the offices in New York City, um, built a speakers bureau, um what else what else stuff yeah but just just a few things the last few years okay so for those people that don't know i mean that was the high light reel but give me give me the the 10 second because i have so many questions and that we're about to dive into you you just, you just filled our time right like all the topics that just just came out of that uh which is great um give people like the 15 to 30 second highlight reel because you've done a lot of really really impressive things like just on top of all that you've got books publications stuff like that just Give people a little yeah. bit of background about your credentials. I'm going to make it real quick. Started yeah. in business when I was 14 years of age, been building businesses since I was a kid, made more money than my school teachers, 15, 16, 17, 18, youngest ever sales manager for a business called Debenhams Department Stores, running teams of 100 plus people at the age of 18, 19, 20. Um, former head of retail commercial director for two Premier League soccer clubs. 
uh, built an overseas investment property business, turned over £240 million at its peak, um, then started this little training company in 2008 and have been building this out since there, started very much as a, I would sell an £85 workshop to bring people into a um, into a one-on-one -on -one coaching program, to then win consulting clients, to then move to grow group, like this new model of yeah. how to be able to make money out of information is something I was doing 08, 09, 2010. Um, what else? What else? As we sit here today, um, well, you have the book. I've written 11 best-selling books. Um Spoken in 59 countries, trained more than 2 million people, um, one of the youngest inductees to the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame, um, then a niche book into the real estate space, been on some of the biggest stages in real estate that could possibly exist. So open for Tom Ferry last year, open for Tony Amazing. Robbins last Amazing. year. Um, was that awesome? Big, opening for Tony? Was that, was that pretty insane? Yeah, it was a one-day event um, rather than UPW, but it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Um, it was a long-term goal. And I think like lots of things is some things are better a goal than a reality. Uh, <laughs> is yeah. the, 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 your belief of what something is like and, and yeah. what it actually is like aren't always the same thing. So yeah. super cool, but um, not, not as cool as I hoped. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fascinating, guys. You see why I was so excited to talk to him? So I want to I want to back up probably to one of the very first things that you said, because you're you're one of those people that um, I mean, I definitely pay attention to I follow you on Instagram. And, and I think that's how I mostly stay in touch with what you're doing. Um, but fascinate me because of just the sheer. Um, not even just the sheer amount, but like the quality of how you're putting things out. Right. And you do a lot of things. But even though you do a lot of things, it doesn't seem chaotic if you will from the outside you know how some people yep. you know it, they, they they have a million different things going on and you could just tell their life is in chaos and a mess and there's no direction right i don't get that from you at all right and so it fascinates me as as i kind of watch um you do what you do and you know you're on stages and you're speaking like you said you know certification programs and whatnot one of the very first things that you said was you said that uh, i did what i always do which is i help you know people and companies navigate change right how do you do all this and the the, the i anchor that question in like it's in the little bit, you know, I'm pretty dumb, right? But and I get around a lot of smart people and uh, I get to learn from them. And one of the things that I've noticed that like without a clear direction and without a clear understanding of like where you're going and like the core essence of what you do, like it's very easy to get lost. So how yeah. how is it that you're able to do all of these things? And like, that's got you got to make, I'm sure you got to make decisions so quickly and you have to have such certainty and such confidence in what you're doing. How are yeah. you able to go and do all this? What's like the anchor that holds that all together? <clears throat> I think the anchor that holds it all together is is this guy, right? In truth, is that you you have to have a level of of calmness and awareness and understanding and responsibility that that you are the driving force of the business. I know there's a lot of focus on passive revenue and <laughs> get to a point that you can just get beach time and mailbox money, et cetera, is is I'll let you know if I ever get there. Is is, is you know, there's a great goal to work towards, and I think we should always have that as a north star. But maybe safe in the knowledge we're probably never going to get there all the time. We have air in our lungs. We got to drive this machine. Yeah. So that that is a factor, but also I don't have a very high ego. Mm. I'm quite happy to let other people enjoy the victory, and, mm. and what that allows me to be able to do is my ultimate sort of business icon is Tabasco sauce. And I know that's a curveball coming at you. Yeah. Is 
how many tables around the world does Tabasco sauce sit on a that lot. steals none of the attention, always gets high margin, and always gets reordered? Like the beautiful thing with hot sauce mm. is it's everywhere, but nobody pays any attention. So I can be in a thousand rooms at the same time, steal none of the show, but be the thing that somebody remembers, steal none of the primary purpose, but be the thing that people remember. So, for example, our, our certified guides community that we're growing is, is I'll have a hundred certified guides. We call them guides on purpose rather than coaches, experts, trainers, et cetera. Yeah. And they all stand in front of the That's brand, good. not behind it. So it's not like a John C. Maxwell certified coach where all roads lead back to name above the door being the hero of the story. It's allowing the person to be the hero of the story. And the fact that they are licensed and trained in my content sit way lower down in the bio. Same as when I go and work and partner in an organization. I could steal the show, but I tell you what, if I steal the show, that means I own the relationship at a level that means that I've now got a pet to feed forever. Mm. If I've got a pet to feed forever, where I always need to be a part of that story and have access to me in that environment, then I'm going to hit capacity too quickly. Yeah. If what I can do is I can just be this fun little side dish that delivers immense value, can make what it is that they're doing significantly better, and then go do the same again, the same again, the same again, is I operate a scale that is different to how most people think about scale. Most people think about like scale is how do you serve more people? It's like, no, no, no. It's how do I, how do I be a big deal in a micro moment? So I'm highly leveraged in my time. Expound upon that for a second. What do you mean by a big deal in a micro moment? Um, like I'll, I'll take my retained consultancies with, with big organizations is, is I get paid decent five figure retainers, five-figure monthly retainers with a number of organizations. Okay. They are not buying huge amounts of my time. They're buying access and attention mm. as required. Like them needing me to help them get ready to put things together for their national sales conference and to be there to answer a few calls, to give some direction to some execs as to how they're going to position it is worth an insane sum of money, but it's not an insane yeah. sum of time. So I can be a partner of an organization get paid well for it, deliver huge value, but it's not a giant time commitment. Mm. And what it does is it gives me rooms to play. It also gives me distribution channels for new products. Yeah. Well, so and it's interesting. In the online space, you'll look at your email list or your Instagram following, et cetera, as your distribution channel. The trouble with those channels is they win you fans and not customers. Mm. And, and fans are often more demanding than customers. <laughs> yeah. so you have to show up in the comments, you have to respond to the DMs, you have to reply to their emails, even though that they don't have the means of being able to be a customer. Right. What I'd rather do is to find distribution channels within my customer base. Yeah. So if I crush it for a giant real estate brand that then has 60,000 agents, I don't need the 60,000 agents to have a direct relationship with me. They already have a direct relationship with a trusted source. Yeah. I'll have the direct relationship with the distributor. They can distribute my content. Yeah. And I get scale without getting well, I was, right. the need to look after thousands. Yeah. And I, it was interesting that when you said that, because you were like, I'm not looking of how do I serve more people? I'm looking, how do I do that? But in it's just a different question, right? And it allows you to focus on what actually is going to drive the lever because you are reaching more people in the end goal, yes. right at the end, Correct. right? But, but you're working through distribution partners as opposed to trying to get direct to consumer. Right. If, if this is a product-based business, instead of it being you know information direct to consumer, this is information through distribution partners. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite quotes, actually what drove kicking off the podcast the first time is if you like, if you ask different questions, you're going to get different answers. Right. Yep. And like, I feel like you just asked a different question there. Right. And to, to ultimately get that answer. So yep. when you, when you do this, like, I want to come back to the question though, of like, you're not, you're not sporadic or you're not everywhere. I mean, you are everywhere, but like, you're not being pulled in a million different directions. You seem to have a, a very clear goal or a very clear, maybe, maybe goal isn't the right word, but a very clear vision or direction that you're heading that allows you to do all of these things, but still anchor it here. What's like, mm -hmm. what's the long-term vision? Like where, what, who is Phil Jones? Like, what is he trying to build? Where are you going with this? And like, when you say the Tabasco sauce, you know, I, I like that. That was a really good analogy, right? Like, yeah. like where, what, what is 10 years, 20 years, 30, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. Okay. So like, what does 30, 40 years down the road look like when this is, you know, you're more towards the end of your life with this? My goal is the, exactly what to say is as recognized, AKA famous as something like neurolinguistic programming. Mm. So I'm quite happy is, is if, my tombstone reads loving husband, proud father and creator of exactly what to say. Hmm. And what I've learned from proxy mentors in my life, many which I'll take from the music industry, just because I think there's lessons there is you cannot get bored with your greatest hits is I think hmm. many of us want to reinvent and do something new, reinvent and do something new. But the reason that you two are in the sphere and not somebody that is playing new music right now is because they're iconic yeah and the goal of the sphere is to be an iconic venue and so you book u2 and if you go to a u2 concert at the sphere you're not like i hope bono's got some new stuff <laughs> yeah right yeah you're like yeah. i want to hear the good stuff and, and i think if you've done enough to carve out a space in this world that mm. you've built a piece of work that is quote unquote famous in some way you've already won the jackpot yeah. To try and win the jackpot and the lottery twice is a fool's game. So the way I view it is I'm going to write exactly what to say the same way that Rick Astley writes, never going to give you up, right? It is we can play with this thing forever. What's beautiful about the distillation of my work in, in the book, exactly what to say is having distilled it down to 23 phrases in a book you can read cover to cover in an hour. What I actually prove is that the body of work is much bigger than that. Because mm. I can take that distillation and now I can blow it wide mm. and care about all moments where somebody needs to know exactly what to say. Yeah. I can care about the principles that live behind every one of those examples. We run a three-day certification on a 60-minute read book and we only scratch the surface on what really is going on in there and we bring people to a new start line. Yeah. And we're also going wider with industries. Yeah. I've got guides in my world that are now teaching this work in a parenting capacity. I've got people that are teaching this in legal profession. I've got people that are teaching it to script writers. I've got people that are teaching it um, in leadership and culture environments. I've got people teaching it in the military. I'm like, oh, dang, I never expected any of this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Having yeah. gone so na narrow, I can then go so wide. And I use the word distillation on purpose is you create a good world-renowned spirit. Then you can give it to bartenders and... Yeah, they'll do a load of amazing thing, things with it. Yeah, and there's an endless list of possibilities. And you know, Jack Daniels is probably the best example of that in the world. Is yeah, how many Jack Daniels infused whatever's out there? Right. So what? Okay, gosh, 
dude, your your brain, I could sit and talk to you for like 20 hours. Like I have so, <laughs> like this is it's this is so fascinating. So it seems to me because my my job here, I feel as a as a, the interviewer is to uh, bring out really good conversation. Right. But also to to get to the root core of things. Right. Of like really what yeah. drives certain things to help understand that. Right. And this that this the concept of exactly what to say seems to very much be at the core of everything that you're doing. Right. So I do want to go into some context around that and, and, and some backstory later. But like, what is this? Right. Because it's clearly more than a book. This is an idea. Right. So like, what yeah. what is this? Ooh, I dropped the book. Um, what is this idea? Right. Like what what how did this what makes this up when you say this thing, this exactly what to say you wanted to you know be up there with NLP and like, yeah. what is it? Yeah, um, it's an operating system. It's a new language. It's a way of people being able to communicate in environments where it isn't a winner and a loser. It's two winners. Hmm. And I don't believe that there is a problem in this world right now that couldn't be solved by more people knowing exactly what to say. Right? We live in a ridiculously polarized world. For anybody who follows your work, you're not afraid of saying what you think. And yeah, like there's no reason that you and I can't have a conversation with dozens of things we disagree on and still learn from each other. Yeah. Right. And I, I think the world would well, be. Well, I think that's one of the things too that I think, and I don't mean to cut you off, but like I think this is, that is one of the things that, uh, it's one of the reasons the podcast exists. Right. I mean, I had probably my literal biggest critique, right. Like that to the tunes of tens of thousands of people. And she's, you know, we're going at it and like on the show for two hours and we just sat down and we talked. Right. And, right. you know, it, it didn't follow any particular model, but we had those conversations and I walked away wiser and I'm sure she walked away wiser. Right. And we, we had those. And I, I think I, I very, very much agree with the statement of what you just said right there. Right. I don't I don't I don't want to I'm going to put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to this question because I have a question for you on that. I want you to continue, but I want to circle back to this because I have a question, but continue. OK. Um, so what's happened is. You know, I've grown up with exactly what to say. So if I give you the backstory, then you might understand how yeah, much please. of a new, new idea this is in my world. When I started my little sales training company in 2008, the first thing I did is, is I was asked by people that I was given short speeches and trainings to is, have I got more that I can share with them? I said, yeah, sure. I could probably put a day together. They said, yeah. if you run a day, will it cover blank? I said, yeah, sure it will. And then I wrote mm. that thing down. Right. And then I built my first one day sales training program based on love it. Answering the will it cover black <laughs> yeah, questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I ran my first training, is I wanted to just sprinkle some gold in it. I looked back in my training repertoire of everything I'd done in corporate world. And I'd always done this sales for non salespeople piece and created a little one sheet of either what to say as a swap, don't say that, say this instead, or what I would call magic words which would be words that would fast track influence. Really, it was deep rooted persuasion and influence techniques disguised as an example, because I learned that if you try to teach people principles, they can't find examples. But if I teach people examples, they trip over principles. Mm. And this was like a one page PDF. Yeah, that's 2011. Um, sorry, 2008, 2009, 2010, I'm delivering my workshops and then meeting people networking that you know trained six months ago, 18 months ago, that say, I still remember your magic words. Still remember your magic words, still using your magic words. And I'm like, okay, I might have something here. Fast forward to 2011, I'm in a mastermind group with a group of other authors and speakers, coaches, trainers. And um, we're talking about publishing books. 
This is 2011, not 2023. And they're still saying it's really hard to get discovered, to get published. It's like, it's hard to get a publisher. I'm like, it's not hard. I mean, we live in 2011. There's yeah. <laughs> publishing platforms everywhere. You could turn a book around in a weekend. You could certainly turn it around in two weeks. Yeah. They say, okay, Jones, put your money where your mouth is. So now I'm in a quandary, right? I got to turn a book around in two weeks. So what I did is I took a two-page PDF called Magic Words from one of my trainings, and I turned it into a book in two weeks using Fiverr and, uh, um, and an upload into KDP. Um, and I pushed out this book called Magic Words. And I know we're on audio right now, but I'm going to show it to you. Um, I've got a copy of it over here. Amazing. Um, and we're on video too. There's a lot of people listening on audio. Like, like this is not a freaking book. This is a pamphlet, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, it uh, is. It really is. It's straight up a freaking pamphlet. Like an eighth of an inch. Yeah, yeah. But I delivered on my promise in the um, in the mastermind, turned a book out. This was when Amazon KDP was just coming to light. I put it into Amazon KDP, put it on a free promo for seven days, which was something you could do. And Amazon's promise at the time was put it in the free promo. We might juice it a little bit for you. Yeah, I went back into my KDP dashboard seven days later, 120,000 downloads. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, holy crap. And not only that, this was only in Amazon.co.uk, yeah. which is the only place that I distributed it, like micro market. Um, and people were liking the book and rating the book. And sure, I had a few one star reviews like this isn't a real book, but people liked the content of it yeah. because it was free or $2.99 or et cetera. Yeah. People were happy. With it. Like, I've got a thing here. So then what I did is through my training business, my speaking business, that little book became giveaway back of the room. It became a value add to corporate tri clients. I'd customize it for corporate clients. Then it became a PDF download for email lead capture, all the things that we do. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward to 2017, and I'm going through my geographic move from the UK to the US and deciding I want to put down roots in the United States. I want a North American speaking business, not a global speaking business. So I want, you know, roots here. I met my wife here. Like, I, I don't want passport control to be a regular part of my daily life. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need a new book, need a new book, need a book. That's going to launch me with the speaker bureaus. New books are a great way to get mm. in. And then I'm thinking about a new book. And then I thought, you freaking idiot, Phil. Why on earth would you create a new book when you've got a lazy ass EP? that the marketplace still likes that you turned around quickly. What if you rewrote that properly? What if you did the lazy version, but you did it right? Yeah. So I decided to rewrite that book and I was calling it magic words right the way through the process. So exactly what to say is in fact, the rewrite of magic words. Okay. What then happened is like eight weeks prior to pub date, I did a little Google search and an Amazon search like magic words book up pops a book that was published just prior. I published six weeks and a book called magic words by a guy called Tim David, who is a real magician. <laughs> like, I, I guess, um, we have a problem. You should have that title for yeah, right yeah, now, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got to change the name of the book, change the name of the book, final mile. And I'm like, success leaves clue. What do I call the book? And I'd done a lot of, um, what we call infotainment training events. Yep. Done a lot in direct sales, multi-level marketing, et cetera. And I used to hire theaters, charge like 39 pounds a ticket and do a 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. Wow, seminar that's cool. In a, in a, in a theater. Um, How would you get people to these? In those environments, I'd do what I mentioned earlier. 
distribution channel. Distribution channel. Okay, leader, yeah. yep. leader in network marketing. Yep. Bring your cool. people. I'll put the show on. Yep. You bring your people. I'll put the show on. Yep. Um, and my revenue upsell in that environment was a three disc CD program. And I called those events exactly what to say. The three disc CD was called exactly what to say. I'm wondering what on earth do I name this book? I should probably call it exactly what to what say. To and say, then yeah. I learned in hindsight, good friend of mine by the name of Rory Vaden, who I'm in a mastermind group is amazing on personal brand stuff. And he does a thing called a title test for book titles. Yeah. And one of the things that Rory and the team at Brand Builders teach is that if you're going to title a book, the first test it needs to pass is the I want test. Mm. Like, and I want to know exactly what to say. I want magic words. Not really. Ah, uh, so it's literally I want. Okay. Right. Uh. Like, it, it, and that is even further amplified is if you can be very precise in a title plus create a curiosity gap where the person's like, I want that, but that can't possibly do that. Does it do that? Can it help with that? the only way I can find out and close mm. that loop is by buying the book. And I, I think when you dig into many books that have done well, you'll see that recurring trend. I mean, there's always. Yeah, no, outliers. that makes sense. And, and no, yeah. Yeah. Title outliers to talk about outliers, but um, is book title is, is everything. And like, there's nobody that doesn't know exact want to know exactly what to say. And I think right. that's a big part of where success has been. And, so that's where that book started. But fast forward to today, we've now sold 2.6 million copies. I own my IP through to the core. The book is a business by Good itself. Job. Yeah, that's awesome. We're translated into 29 different languages. I have the best-selling book in real estate over the last five years for real estate agents. And it's a derivative of exactly what to say. Okay. And we should ask now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's 250,000 so copies of a derivative book. And I continue to sell 350 copies a day flat, not, not boom, like launch and disappear. Flat. Every day. Yeah. And being flat since 2018. Yeah. Like that's the closest I get to mailbox money, but it's not mailbox money. It's because I do five to seven podcasts a week. It's because I speak yeah. on a ton of stages. It's because I show up in other people's Facebook groups or do zooms with 400 people of my perfect target market when I'm yeah. in office and it just, keeps coasting, but I'll, I'll ride this thing forever. So that's what it is. And then sense. it's become a big thing. Okay. So fascinating. It's, it's interesting how one of the things that you said in, in the message, when I messaged you, if you wanted to come on the podcast or whatever, and then I think it was the audio clip back, you said something like you don't get to whatever, 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 unless you have, you know, one idea and you just ride it to the moon, like ride it to the moon right. or whatever it is that you said. Right. And it was a fascinating idea. And it's interesting because this answers so many of the questions of like, when you're like, well, I do all these things, but it's like, it's all centered around this one idea. And then That's you, it. it's like derivatives, right? It's like the derivatives of the, it's, it's one offshoots of that, that feeds back into that. So I own the IP yeah. and I have margin in the book. Yeah. Can do things that other people wouldn't look like being a good idea because they yeah. can't see long enough into the distance. They can't play enough yeah. of the long game. But I can cash flow the long game because if I do a Facebook group with 200 Plexus reps, which is yeah. something I did 9 p.m. on Thursday night or whatever it was last week, yeah, I'll sell somewhere like... 400 books 
Just get that for conversion. There's 200 people in the room and I'll sell 400 books. So nuts. And I make five bucks a book. So, But more importantly, I create evangelists for the book. Yeah. The average person in business will not read 10 books in their lifetime. That's so nuts. It's nuts. And even people that are in your world, my world, that say they read books, they don't. They read Blinklist. They half listen to it on Audible. They read the synopsis, et cetera. And like mm. the number of people that I ask, like, have you read Start With Why? And they're like, yeah, I've read Start With Why. I'm like, outside of what's included in the 18-minute TED Talk, what can you tell me about the book? Yeah. And they're like, well, like, I haven't really read it. I've like, <laughs> yeah. So my book is cover to cover in 70 minutes. Yeah. You cannot mismart of it is like all of the like all like no fluff yeah is what it's intended to be able to do but it it ripples yeah the if you were being asked to recommend a book to somebody the most likely book you are to recommend to somebody is one that you've read recently yeah yeah whatever that or might be or right? many or multiple times yeah yep yeah something yep. you come back to or one you've read recently because it makes yep. you sound smart yeah you recommending something you read a month ago so if I can get my book read by many, then what I do is I get to the next tier of customers. And no, I've sold 2.7 million copies of a book. I only have 30,000 followers on Instagram. My email list is only 120,000. Crazy. But I've sold 2.7 million copies of the book. I feel like like you you have you have tapped into like I'm so glad that you brought up this we brought up the conversation of distribution, right? Because um like I've never run a paid ad successfully in my life. I, I tried to run paid ads to my last challenge and we got $400 into my ad account got banned. Shows how much I know how to run. I, I don't know what I'm doing, right? When it comes to running ads. But my whole my whole business has been built on essentially borrowing other people's distribution channels. Nowhere near the scale of, of what you, you're doing, right? But, but that concept of it, and I was on an interview with a guy um, yesterday actually, and he was like, you know, he's got this big, he does affiliate stuff. He's got a 600,000 person email list. He's built this multi-million dollar business or whatever, all organically and all through doing affiliates and partners or whatever. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to get into the paid ads game. And I'm like, why? Right? Like you've, you've mastered this thing like this. You're killing it at this thing. Like, why do you go and do this? And it's fascinating when you share stats like that, where you're like, I've got, you know, 2.6 million or 2.7 million copies of the book, 30,000 on Instagram, 120,000 person email list. Right. You you tapped into that distribution channel, and this will circle back to the question I wanted to get back to. But how did you how did you figure that out? Like, how did you figure out the distribution channels, or because there's a lot of different options, right? But like, yeah. how did you figure out that like this was it, and what like what made you go all in on that? Um, I don't know if there was this epiphany moment, but I do know when I started my business, I was broke. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the idea of of like running paid ads and looking to be able to directly get to high level consumers um, never really entered my head because it wasn't an, an option. Yeah, It was, I got to hustle and find opportunities. Yeah. The, the pivot for me though, if there was anything anywhere is when I was running my training business early days, I was looking to support independent business owners. Mm -hmm. So I was looking to help the people who were broke be less broke. And to pay me for the privilege. And I realized that that was not a very good idea. Yep. Like people earning less than a hundred grand, trying to help them earn more than a hundred grand, whilst I'm trying to earn big so money. Hard. Balls game. 
Yeah. So I was selling 85 pounds tickets to get people into three, 400 pound a month coaching to help them turn their income from four or 5,000 pounds a month to seven, eight, nine, 10,000 pounds a month. Yep. I was too big of the share of attention inside their life. And they were too stretched to be able to fully execute and implement on what needed to be done. And they couldn't play a longer game because they're trying to feed their family on Friday. They're trying to be able to, you know, pay the bill for the, the, yeah. the stock that they've just purchased for the customer. Like they're all upside down on things once you get into the mechanics. Yeah. And somebody said something to me once, um, early mentor guy by the name of Peter Lee. He said, just follow the money. Yeah. Is, is if you want to get paid more money, go solve bigger problems. And I flipped like a switch overnight. I went from my customer was Joe the plumber to my customer is DHL. Hmm. Well, I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've seen Alex Ramosi, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he obviously blew up. But one of my favorite um, quotes by him of all time, at like when he first tweeted it out, I printed it off and I hung it on my wall. So I looked at it every day and it said, solve the problems of the rich and they will make you one of them. Right. Yeah. And that's that concept. Yeah. But what's interesting is you then look at that same individual's current content. Is now not playing that game. That's the game that got him to where he was. But the mm -hmm. game he's currently playing today is to try and help broke people get yeah. rich. Yeah, for brand. Yeah, for sure. Rich. Yeah. Right? But that's an evolution of a brand. And I yeah. think it's important to understand he can afford to play that game today because yeah. of what he's built. Yep. But you can't copy that technique if you're not already there. Yeah. Like yeah. He can do that because of the size of a YouTube subscriber channel. Yeah. Because the size of a list and because of what he's gone on to be able to do yeah what he's remarkably is he's created the hormozy method right yeah the ultimate goal any of us have having this place is to is to be marketplace of one yep yep and the only time where somebody says is like 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 your personal brand is a good one is if you're like tony robbins the only time that that's a good analogy is if you're tony robbins right yeah right is if you're if you are the category of one that's being compared to by others so yeah. wherever you are if somebody's saying oh so you're like russell brunson that's good if you're russell brunson it's not yeah. if you're the other person yeah yep 100 percent. okay i want to steer the conversation just slightly and okay. go one level back and maybe not so tactical in the business side of things i want to understand your philosophy a little bit more bit more because you're someone um and it, it, this is a little selfishly but i also know this is like the type of content that a lot of my listeners like as well is like you've been around a tremendous amount of people right you, you've spoken on stages you've influenced the lives of literally millions of people and so i'm sure you have a very unique perspective on just human psychology and nature in general and just you know people making decisions and then your own life right so like when you when you look at the world, let's say, and you look at, you know, the groups of people that you're serving and, uh, you know, you're very much in the game of people as am I, right? Like, what's your, what's your philosophy on, I guess it's twofold. One, your philosophy on just people and humans in general, when it comes to influence and persuasion and, and, you know, making change and impacting them. Right. And then secondly, your own personal philosophy on, on life, when it comes to what, maybe what drives you, um, personally, um, outside of the, okay, yes, I want to, you know, spread this idea to the world. Like, how does your brain work? And I'll start with the, I'll start with the first one. And then or, I'm sorry, I'll start with the second one. And then we'll come back to the first one. You personally, right? You're married. How many kids you have? Four. 
Four kids. Okay. So you got four kids. Amazing. I'm about to have my first here in about two weeks. Very, very excited. Right. So you've got four kids. You're, you're a husband. How does your brain work? How do you view the world? Like what's your purpose and drive here outside of business, but as a man in general? Um, I, um, I believe that everything is my fault. So I believe that I'm responsible for every single part of my life. That is a, a core belief that serves me. It means that whether it's good, bad, or indifferent is I'm entirely responsible. I also believe that better is always possible. So we live in a world that wants to be right or wrong. It wants to be black or white. It wants to be that here's a best practice. It wants mm. to be that this is what a good one looks like. And I don't believe in any of that. I believe the mess in the middle of that. And I believe that we should live in the gray space and understand that better is always possible in everything. But that means that I live in the relentless quest for better. Mm. And that is both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. Because what it actually means is like nothing really is ever good enough because I'm always in <clears throat> optimization mode. I'm always in evolution mode. I'm always in yeah. so now what? An example of which in its simple viewpoint is I bought my first house when I was 17 and I've lived in over 20 different homes from 17 to now. Not because I like moving, but because I like up-leveling my life. Yeah. And I'm happy to keep going, right? New bonus levels, new bonus levels, new bonus yeah. levels. Like I grew up a, you know, a poor kid on the outskirts of London. Yeah. And now I live in Manhattan and look at the view that was once upon a time, a poster on my wall when I was a yeah. kid. And, and that comes from a belief that if somebody else can do it, can somebody else be me? And that's a question. Because sometimes the answer to that question is heck no, right? If somebody yeah. else can do it, Somebody else like, can somebody else like dunk from yeah, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right. Like, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody else can. Can somebody else be me? No, 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 no. Yeah, I yeah. can't be that person. I can give up on that. But the answer sometimes is yes. And it, it teaches you that success leaves clues. It teaches you that actually every answer is probably only a question away and a question of the right person. And it teaches you that there's a big difference between advice and opinions. Mm. And if you can spend your time around people that are prepared to give advice from experience as opposed to opinion from belief, then you can fast track a life. So mm. I don't know if I've really answered your question, but I, I, I am ridiculously optimistic, not because I know that's right, but because I know it serves me. Yeah, well, and, uh, and I, would, well, I would probably categorize myself very similar in that sense. When you say, when you say better, and when you say success, like those are words that are very um, subjective, right? So, so what is what does success look like to you, and and how do you define better? Well, firstly, success is a feeling. You're not okay. successful; you feel successful. And you know, I know some people that make forty two thousand dollars a year and feel like the most successful person on the planet. And they live in the wrong part of town in a crappy house and drive a car that just about gets them where they need to go on occasion. And they feel more successful than many people I know that are multimillionaires and live a life of a huge stress. So what success means to me is, is that fulfilling position. 
is probably best described by my favorite definition of success that comes from a guy called Paul J. Meyer. Paul J. Meyer defines success as the progressive realization of predetermined, worthwhile, and attainable goals. Mm. So Paul J. Meyer like predates Tony Robbins, predates um, like many folks, founded a, a company called LMI, uh, uh, Leadership Management International. And if we dig into that quote, the progressive realization of predetermined, worthwhile, and attainable goals. Progressive realization. Yeah. It means I have to be onto the next, onto the next, onto yeah, the next. Yeah, yeah, moving, yep. Realizing. It's not a destination. It's something I'm comp- c- c- like continue working on, worthwhile. Yeah. Well, you get to decide what's worthwhile to you, right? Like that's what's successful. Worthwhile could be achieving a health goal. Worthwhile could be supporting your mother-in-law with something she's working through. Worthwhile could be doing something for your community. Worthwhile could be learning to t- tie your shoelaces. Like it, yeah. it could be whatever you decide, but you have to decide it. Yeah. Attainable means it's within your reach. So, you know, predetermined, worthwhile, and attainable goals, like goal means it has to be a stretch in some way. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. if you can stay on that relentless quest, chances are you'll feel successful, providing you're prepared to answer all those questions on the way. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part. So, what many people do by alternative is they borrow other people's definition of success, try to live in it, and then wonder why it doesn't feel good. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you ever do you ever um, deal with any form of mm, I don't know if imposter syndrome is the right word or like comparison? Where because I'm sure like I'm sure you people try to compare you, or, but right. So like, how do you deal with that? And and yeah, how do you deal with that? Or do you even well, deal with it? All the time and, and and you know even even last night I'm playing with it right. So I'm playing in a different speaker space right i do very well in the speaking profession i get paid very good fees i've grown from being a good zero dollar speaker to a 500 to a 750 to a 1500 to a 5000 to a 7500 to a 15000 to a 25000 and up and up and up yeah still have the i'm looking around i'm like why does that dude get 120 yeah like what is he doing that i'm not doing and i'm still looking at that i was looking at it last night and i get frustrated at these things sometimes i'm like well hang on if i applied myself i could have a three million dollar youtube channel like a three million subscriber youtube oh, yeah. channel you know look to be able to build a you know I, I had the joy the other week of um speaking at an event in los angeles and i was backstage with lewis Howes, and i was with erwin mcmanus and jamie kern lima and some like real cool big hitting people yeah, and, Jim yeah. Quick. and i'm in the same space but i'm looking at the metrics of social reach and big yeah. exit or right. you know, people they hang around with with selfies. I'm like, I'm not that guy. Yeah. So I'm still dealing with the whole imposter thing. But like every time I find myself going there, cause I do go there. I'm reminded of something that I was shared like with maybe 20 years ago by again, early mentor. And Nigel said to me, um, comparison is fine. It's just, if you're going to compare yourself to somebody else, you have to compare the whole of you to the whole mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. And then I dig into it. And the same, like even self-talk last night when I'm looking at YouTube videos, just trying to understand that if I wanted to play that game, what would it look like? What are they doing? What's the mechanics of it? And then like, oh, but none of those folks have got a book that prints money the way mine does. Right. Like none of those have 
the ability to show up to a speaking event and have nothing to sell and still get paid well and then get home in time to tuck the kids in at bed in the same way. Like you start to be able to build a list of comparisons that says, well, hold on, this isn't yeah. apples for apples. And now I can subjectively learn from that other person's experience yeah. and say, what do I want to take from yeah. it? What do I want to learn without feeling jealous of it? I can yeah. feel informed by it, but it sometimes starts with jealousy. You just got to get into the yeah. ugly processing of this. Okay, so that right there, though. So when you look at, I, I think that's a really good way to look. You got to compare the hole in the hole, right? So you look at someone, you know, like the people that you mentioned or whatnot, and they've got a big YouTube channel or they've got more social followers or they've got whatever. And then you've got these things over here, right? Like you right now, you got a, you got a 40, 50 year vision. You got the, your whole life ahead of you still, right? Like you're still building this, right? And so how do you decide, how, how do you make the decision specifically for you on, whether or not you're going to go pursue something, right? Because right now, obviously, there's a, you have a finite amount of time and you have the book now, right? And and you have things that are working. So like, how do you decide to go, you know what? At this point, I'm going to go and I'm going to go do YouTube now, right? I'm going to go master that or I'm not going to go do that. I'm going to go do this other thing, whatever that other thing over here. How do you determine what is ultimately, what, what you're going to put your time and effort to on something that's at scale like that? Yeah, this gets harder and harder and harder. And I'm I, I wrestle with this today. I was chatting with my wife about the same thing last night. Like I, I don't pretend to have this figured out. Yeah. It, it's easy when you're playing from a place of nothing and the only thing ahead of you is <laughs> is up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have yeah. 37 certified guides that are teaching my body of work. We make a series of promises to them. I cast a vision out for them for the future. So I I, I can't be maverick, Phil that is like oh, let, let's take a 30 degree turn and run in another direction and 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 give up on a past idea i have to stay true to some existing ideas and you become a, a custodian to some of the things that you've put down in the past yeah also when you've built a business through reputation it doesn't matter what you choose to do you have to accept that you've been put in a box yeah, that's... I'm a fantastic keynote speaker about all things exactly what to say. I got a referral yesterday from a past client that shared with me or oh, my team that would love to hire Phil to speak. We saw him speak recently and we'd love him to come back and do something similar to what he did last time. I'm in a new role, a new company right now. If he could do the same as what he did before, that'd be cool. And we plug into CRM. Bear in mind, we've been keeping CRM since 2008. The person that saw me speak recently saw me speak in 2012. It's an 11-year echo of business. Yeah. Wanted me to go back and do a version of the same as what I did before. Yeah. So you have to accept that sometimes that as you're building a bigger brand for yourself, you, you can't shake that. Like, like, and I've seen people try. Like Simon Sinek is going to be the why guy for the rest of his life. It doesn't matter whether he can come up with all this other great body of content, which is incredible, but the world is still going to know you for that. Yeah. Richard Branson has his personal brand that if he decided that he wanted a hard pivot and shave his head and start wearing a suit and um, look to get focused on financials and the numbers and say it's all about being able to make sure that the EBITDA adds up, people would be like, no, you're yeah. wrong. <laughs> But yeah. they're not letting you do that because yeah. you to us are something different. Yeah. So this is where it gets harder to be able to start to shape things in another direction because you've built your brand based on a set of beliefs that other people have bought into yeah. that if you try to go in another direction, 
So I, I've gone on record and said things like, I don't actively care about the middle of my business. I don't have an online course on purpose. Why don't I have an online course on purpose? Because I don't believe that it is a valuable means of creating transformation. Hmm. I believe that it's a useful tool to transfer information, but there are actually other means you can transfer information without yeah. having to charge somebody 997 on a payment gateway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Like if the goal is to achieve the outcome yeah. of what I believe in, Asking somebody to buy something that I'm almost certain they're not going to consume and that I'm almost certain that they are not going to deliver upon. Yeah. Having said that inside my industry on repeat, if I'm like, hey, hey, here's my 997 course, they're like Phil's a liar. Yep. So it would be looking to be able to cash in. And I think it's so interesting as as you're saying these things too. Puzzle, right? Yeah. And it's interesting too, going back to the whole concept of exactly what to say though, too, right? Is like all of this builds, or at least it seems that it all builds on this idea, right? And so yep. you've built this, this is like that, that foundation, it's that it's that center thing that everything latches onto, right? And so the yep. more you grow, the more this idea builds. And it's like, the more that this idea builds, like all the things around it can change, but this is still the idea, right? And like, because yeah. this is still the idea, it's infused with all those things, you can't just change it, right? Like you just can't just shift and be like, actually, we're not doing this anymore. Now we're going to do this model, or now we're going to do this. And it really starts to 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 or um to to solidify as you go along. So that's super fascinating with it. Um, wrestle yeah. this stuff as you go and make and run your own checks and balances on on who you yeah. are and what your means. And example would be right when you sell a million records in the music industry, you get presented with like a gold disc. Yeah, I know yeah. you in some of the email marketing world and the. Uh, the, the kind of um, you know funnels business etc they become accolades where you get yeah. a piece of metal where you've achieved a certain objective and it's a cool thing yeah in the books world when you sell a million books do you know what you get sweet fa nothing <laughs> nothing happens so i decided that what i would do is when i got to a million books i'm going to create my own trophy edition of the book mm. so you know, I put gold leaf on it like like many of us it looks better naked turned it into a journal yeah made the, corners around it put a gold ribbon in it boosted the book up put information in this that is way bigger than what's in the little book to prove the little book is not a little book it's a big book mm. but then what i realized is the content in this was more valuable than what i was charging for as a book we launched our certified guides program i only printed ten thousand of this so what i do even though there's more demand for it i put it out of print on purpose because actually i want to protect the content that's in this book and give it to my guides mm. and we produce the workbook edition the workbook edition of exactly what to say is somewhere like 96 percent the same as what's in this because i throttle this and put it in this yeah we sell this workbook now but this workbook comes with a workshop so in a so way to get this workbook if you pay one of our certified guides or me to come and sit in a 12 to 20 person workshop and go through two days worth of content experience live. So it's, it's slowed down scale with multiple points of friction to it that I'm hoping protects the IP of the brand over a sustained period of time. Yeah. And then that scale model of this is a set of physical cards that allow people to run training experiences inside their organization. Wow. This number of cards to role play about the body of wow. work. And this is meant for real estate. 
but it shows I know the examples like you're servicing clients or you're at an open house or you're talking to an expired listing and to show that I know them you know, we wrote 65 potential objections that could yeah. exist in that environment so people can work around their content but what am I doing is I'm giving people a training tool to work in their four six eight twelve fifteen person office yeah distribution chat yeah right every time I sell a pack of role play cards now what does everybody in that they're like I don't understand these words how do I get to be able to understand how to use it they're like you probably need the book oh by the way here's a QR code for how you can order book <laughs> It's interesting how you, um, uh, maybe for lack of a better analogy, you basically, you created a monster, right? In a good way. You created this thing that just took off. And now it's not a matter of, like, you, you have a lot of control, but in a way you don't, right? Like, yep. it's more of like, you're just guiding this beast, right? And yep. trying to, to decide. And that, that kind of on the surfboard on the wave for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. Right. And so when you, it's interesting. Cause then, like you said, when you go to these and look at maybe a YouTube thing or, you know, this type of it, it's such a different model that like, you like, not that you couldn't go and do those things, but it would be such a, like, you have this thing that's pulling you this way. It's not just a simple matter of just going and starting a YouTube channel or just going and doing this. Like it's a literal, like, like you said, a wave that you're riding. Right. I like the mess of inaccurate data, which is called humanity. And so I know what it takes to win on YouTube and social. Like my good buddy who speaks in a very similar area to me is a guy called Vin Jang. And and and, and Vin and I grown up together in the speaking space. We have the same manager. Is he the communication guy? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, but he took a decision during pandemic to go all in on content and yep online courses why because he lives in australia and he couldn't get back to the us and he works around yeah. that construction he's brilliant at it he's brilliant at a b2c space he's all in on it but also he's a performer with a for passion sure. for video started a video production company has three to five really good friends and buddies who also care about that content creation space yeah but when i speak to Vin, he's all in on distribution he's all in on what's working yeah. from the numbers he's all in on the data he's looking at dashboards he's looking at spend he's like so you you go from being a creative people worker to running an analytics based business and yeah. i'm like i don't want that yeah I that's like, a good point I like the mess i actually love in-person events yeah but what i do if I go to an in-person speaking event, my goal is always, can I get paid three ways? So can I get paid by speaking at the event? Can I get paid by collecting meaningful big ticket opportunities from people I meet at the event? Yeah. And can I nurture a long tail relationship for low price products at the event? Mm. All without ever giving a situation that I made an offer. Yeah. And it's that final point that I think is the is the art in it. Yeah, is like like it, it it can be pretty cool to say I'll speak to a seven thousand person audience, sell fifteen thousand copies of the book, and never ask anybody to buy the book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is such a different game, right? Like you look at you know, uh, I have friends in in all different aspects. I have friends that get paid to speak, right? I have friends that do books, like you know, you and you kind of do both. And then I have, you know, friends like Russell Brunson, who Russell Brunson couldn't imagine getting up to speak without selling something, right? It would like break his brain, right? And yet, you know, he did 7,000 people, I think they did $3.2 million in, you know, from, from stage and that is crazy, right? And it's, it's such a different, it's a different venue, or it's a different aspect, or it's a different 
it's a different way of looking at and thinking about things long-term, short-term, what you're building. You look at like a Russell, he's building a software company. You look at you, you're building a very, very different company, right? When you say you love the mess of people, and I think this is fascinating because I, I always, uh, you know, joked for a long time in entrepreneurship. I'm like, I hate people. People are messy. Right. <laughs> and, and like, it's funny because like I grew up in, you know, a, a very small town, homeschooled environment, eight kids in the family. Right. And like, you know, just a different world. You get into the real world and people are, people are very messy. It's a great way to put it. Right. But the more that I, uh, the more that I grow and the more that I serve and the more that I build the business and whatnot, it's the most fulfillment, uh, the most impact, the mo most I feel alive. And like, I'm actually like growing and contributing is when I'm around people. Right. So like when you're managing this many people, and I want to keep this answer to maybe like three to five minutes. Um, cause I do have one more thing I want to ask you about. Um, but yep. like, how do you, what have been some of your key takeaways of dealing with people? Like when it comes to communicating, when it comes to how they make decisions, maybe what, one of the most, one of the most important factors and things, cause you do deal with people at a scale that most people can't comprehend. Right. Um, a, a few things is firstly, I am a hundred percent certain that nobody knows what they're doing, which is actually quite liberating. Yeah. Because we live in a world that what people are actually looking for is proxy leadership. They're looking for somebody else to take charge of the decision-making within their life. Even if it's not as literal, I think you should do. They're looking to follow somebody else's footprints, see where the bias is over-indexing in some way, follow a crowd, follow a trend. Even to not follow a trend is a choice to say that I'm abdicating decision-making to somebody else, right? Whether yeah. it's for or against is, is I'm following a crowd. What else I've learned about people is we're in a perpetual flex between order and chaos. Mm. When we're in chaos, we're searching for order. When we have order, we're creating chaos. When yeah. we've created yeah. chaos, we search for order. When we've crafted order, we then say, let's create new chaos. So you are in the business of helping people create their next chaos or create order within that chaos. Mm. And I, I think as content creators and then leaders of people within our space, which we all are in some way, you have to know which side of that line you're on. Are you helping somebody tidy up a mess or are you helping somebody create a mess? They're both valuable. But if somebody's in a messy situation and you are trying to convince them to create more mess, they're not going to join you. And vice versa. When somebody yeah. has something neatly organized and you're saying, well, here's the system for you to be even more organized, they're like, I'm already organized. Don't need more organization. I need like more opportunity. Break it. Yeah. Um, and when you're communicating with people, having clarity over which side of that line you're choosing to sit on today. And the only way you can do that is by understanding other people. A common mistake that exists in almost every human interaction is somebody feels the need to be right. Hmm. As opposed to achieving the right result, which is a very, very different thing. I'll use an example that's quite polarizing. My best friend in the planet, my friend David, lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He lives on a giant acreage out in the country, straight up lumberjack by his own yeah. definition. Is um, has an arsenal Love that it. could potentially, um, you know, start a revolution. Um, Sounds like my neighbors. Yep, a little different to me. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> where I grew up. Yeah, for sure. The biggest things that we disagree on is gun control. Mm. Right. I grew up in England. In England, only like 3% of our police force even carry guns. Mm. Um, and I live in New York City in Manhattan. The thought of like two thirds of the population being able to hold a weapon under them, knowing like what most of this population here could sometimes look like, fills me with dread. Mm. I could get into an argument with David and and I could argue till I'm blue in the face that I think the quantity of guns he has is obnoxious. I think the gun <laughs> control is off the charts here. Here are the thousands of reasons why the people shouldn't have guns. And he wouldn't listen to a single word I say. Mm. And he could project his opinions on me and I might be hearing it, but I ain't listening. Yeah. Because my beliefs are firmly locked in based on my experiences. The second we change that conversation to be like, hold on. And I say to David is, what is your experience of how gun control works in the United Kingdom? And he says, not much. And I say, well, how would you feel if everybody walking the streets of Manhattan was carrying weapons and people had in their bags and their homes an arsenal that was similar to yours. How would you feel if that was true in as densely populated an environment as this? It'd shift a few degrees. Mm. And if he said to me, like, well, what do you understand about how I grew up out here in the country and what the reasons are as to why this has become an essential part of life? I'd go, not much. Mm. And if he said, well, what is your experience of being away on a trip and having your wife and kids at home on a eight acre property and you know lights coming down the driveway and nobody knowing who it is that's coming. What is your experience of living in a scenario like that? I'd say not much. Mm. Say, what do you understand about the relationship I've managed to build with my kid and my dad through many of the trips that we've had hunting through the years? I'd say not much. Yeah. And what would start to happen is we'd realize that we don't see each other's perspective. Therefore, we don't see the world through the same way. Mm. We can have a long-winded conversation about this, and I'm talking about it because it's happened. Yeah. And the end conclusion is he thinks that guns are a good idea because he wants to keep his family safe. And I think that guns are a bad idea because I want to keep my family safe. Mm. We can have a really rich conversation about how this world would be better in a number of different ways that could keep more of the people we care about safe so we didn't have to deal with many of the hostilities that exist in both of our lives. Yeah, that's the safe space to be able to play. And it anchors back to, to what I've realized to be true is two plus two can equal five if you let it. And in most scenarios, I want my two to take your two. I want my two to mean that I'm better than yours. I'm going to take yours. Therefore, mm. I'm right. That's the end of how most communication is trained to show up. I'm the winner, you're the loser. And I grew up in sales environments and many of the heroines that have been created for what good selling looks like today still sit in that win-lose scenario. Yeah, yeah, like, big time, for I sure. I know the full intricacies of, of Jordan Belfort's story, but if I watch The Wolf of Wall Street as a movie and watch what gets celebrated as winning, from what I understand about that today, that is called stealing. 
Right? <laughs> yeah. This yeah. resulted in a lot of people losing a lot of money, yeah. but buying something that they fundamentally didn't need, didn't deliver upon its promise. And in yeah. a world like the one we live in today, where there's visibility, transparency, reviews, and reputation, I'm not sure it would fly at the same level. So what I've learned about communication is the world wants to be right. Somebody wants to be right and somebody needs to be wrong. But actually what needs to happen if we are to collaborate more is the focus needs to be the right result, the right outcome. Let's find the things that we agree upon and build upon that. And if we can create two plus two equals five by creating order amongst chaos as opposed to more chaos within chaos or more order within order, yeah, then we can grow together. That's a really good answer. And that's a fascinating concept. And it's interesting because one of the things that I heard you say, and you didn't explicitly say it, but um, when you were talking about like, oh, he's going to shift a few degrees over here. They shift a few yeah. degrees over here, right? When you apply that kind of um, approach to, as you said, a very black and white world, right? It can seem like nothing would ever get done. But, and and I think that's part of, especially in politics today, right? Uh, you know, it, it takes a long time to make a change that way. or longer time perception, right? But when you actually apply it out over time, that's really the only way to make change, right? Because if you do it the if you do it where there's just a winner and a loser, then there is always that that friction. There is always that resentment, right? And so you don't actually even sorry. a sales flow in an online business point of view, the goal is to reduce friction to increase momentum. Yeah. And isn't this true in a conversation? A hundred percent, right? But but it's fascinating because um I have you know, it's very interesting when I compare my life and how I interact with people in my life to how I interact with people in my business. Because in business, any interaction that I'm having with a, a client or a customer or whatever is I'm I'm creating an environment where exactly what you just talked about there can happen, right? Where it's where I can like get to understand theirs and I can share stories and they can ask questions and we can start to shift and we can go. And by the time we're doing business together or even anything, even if we're already doing business, by the time we get to something, we've really aligned, right? On on goals, right? I've I've shifted how you know how I do things to match this and they've shifted this. And we've really come to this win-win. It's why I love five-day challenges. It's why I love, you know, interactive like group settings where there's QA, right? And then I look at my life outside of that, where I have to deal with what I joke to my people as normal people, right? All right, non-entrepreneurs, not business people. And I, I think I tend to take a much more, um, this is how I'm going to live my life, deal with it approach type of deal. And, and not even necessarily in, you know, I don't try to impose, I don't think my views on a lot of other people in their personal life on how they live, but I'm like, Hey, this is how I'm going to do things. And like, if you don't like it, I'll find someone else type of deal. Right. And, um, you know, hearing you say and kind of like walk through, you know, like walk, those degrees of things, how you tied, you know, and so simple, but so powerful, how you tied to like the reason that your redneck friend, you know, wants all the guns and like, keep in mind, like that is how I grew up. Like we had a literal gun range in our backyard, right? Like right. that is how he wants to do it to keep his family safe and you want to do it to keep your family safe, right? When you can step back and, and start to agree on and find that common ground and then work backwards, I think that's super powerful. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in our personal lives as well, we are more guilty of of shortchanging conversations than we are. Hundred percent, yeah. Flippant answers, even with our relationships with our spouse, sometimes as we jump straight to tell mode as opposed to ask or seek to understand. And yeah, a rule that I've been encouraging people to practice is: before you share the answer that you think you know, <laughs> yeah, ask three more questions. Like cross-examine the witness with three that more. witness. Okay, speaking. that's good. Just just three more questions. So before yeah, you, you, you tell your wife what she's doing wrong, 
three more questions before you tell your employee, here's what you should have done. Three yeah. more questions. And, and when you just put the three more questions approach in with the purpose of clarify, often you don't have to give the piece of advice you're about to give. They see it themselves. Yeah. That's and so fascinating. everything moves with less friction. And a challenge to your listeners right now, try to live a day of your life giving zero advice. Mm. Not a single piece of advice for a 24-hour window. Ban yourself from, I think, Man. what you should, I believe, here's what you need to. Yeah. And remove all of that vocabulary for one day and see how it changes your world. The only thing you can do is to skillfully ask clarifying questions yeah. to any given so let me let me because so this all the way back to that very first question I was going to ask that I put a pin in as a perfect there's a perfect segue into that um is one of my great ugh, struggles and a lot of the people that I talk with probably a lot of this the the audience listening to this too probably you know struggles with this to a certain extent as well is I am very 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 intentional about every single aspect of my life right like mm -hmm. I have thought through like you know, people are like, what do you do in your free time? Like, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, um, I just, I work. Like, what do you mean? Like, I think about my life and I, I work on my relationship with my wife and I work on my business and I work on, and I think about money and I think about my health and I think about how I design, like every part of my life is designed. I know why I'm going to wake up, you know, in seven days from now and, you know, the time of church and, you know, why I'm putting my, all the things. And when I talk to people that, um, you know, are struggling per se, um, or have a different opinion and like, I, I, I start or I attempt to always start to take the uh, stance of let me understand what you're trying to say. And then as soon as I realize that like they have not actually thought through any of what they're talking about right here, right? Like the things that they're struggling with could be solved so easily if they just like thought, you know, like two steps down the road and, you know, just stop doing certain things. It can be very easy to uh, turn off their opinions right? Or like turn off their, because you're just like, I don't, your, your advice is not relevant to what I'm like doing here. Right. And it's not, it's not a judgment thing. Cause I like, I mean, I have people, some of my best friends, I look at their life and I'm like, I have no idea what you do, do I do it to do. How do you though determine, like, how do you decide what advice is good and what advice is bad or what advice you should listen to and should not listen to from, from just such a wide variety of people that, like I'm sure have not been as intentional in thinking as you have. There's a lot in that question you're asking there. Um, the first thing to decide is that there is, there is wisdom to be gained in every interaction. Okay. So you don't have to believe that what somebody's doing is right to be able to learn from it. You can learn a lot from it just from sitting in it for a while. I think one of the safest spaces to go into every conversation is, is not knowing the outcome is mm. being neutral is even the friends that you go into a conversation with thinking, I've got no idea why they're doing it. And it's almost a little bit like tense and pensive that you've got no idea why you're doing it. Cause you want more for them. What if they're right? What if their way of living life is a better way than your way of living life? Labor life. Like you don't have to choose it, but what if? What if just like hold some space for the fact that they might have an ultra wisdom but, that is but, so far past yours? But how though? Like, like, cause I'm like, 
I'm talking like we're talking with people that like have no direction in life or just like they're just there. Like I, I go to church. I'm very religious in in the, in the sense of I'm I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus, right? And this is probably if one of my last questions to you is going to be like, what's your if I were to wave a magic wand and you could solve one problem, like what would that be for you, right? I would say like if if there is something that I struggle with deeply, right? Uh, like at a core level is I, like, I, I love people and I do want what's best for people, right? Um, I look at a lot of Christians, particularly Christians, and I can make fun of them because I am one, right? But I like look at their life and I'm like, you claim to like serve this God, this Jesus, right? Who I do too. And you believe that he's all, you know, this you know powerful thing and blah, blah, blah. Yet you've been dealing with the same bullshit in your life for 10 years, Right. And like you've been looking around and like just playing the victim and you just sit there and you do nothing with your life. And then when you ask questions and someone gives you advice, you go, here's all the reasons why I can't do this. And it's like at some point you go. Dude, do you like what? Right. How do you like that's I think maybe my more of my question is like when you say maybe they're maybe they have some meta truth or so, you know, some version. I'm like, no, I'm not saying my life is better that they do. But huh? just allowing yourself to believe that they might mm. change your tone going into the conversation. Okay. You go into that conversation with the person at church that all of their ac- actions and behaviors from what you can see on the outside world are yeah. completely out of alignment with the principles that are being positioned and yeah. that are like disengaged with what you believe to be the interpretation of this body of work and mm. you don't get it i'm saying rather than be angry or frustrated at it yeah which is the tone that's coming out be obnoxiously curious and by taking that space to the fact that you are puzzled bewildered and curious then the unreasonable behavior cannot deal with your overly reasonable approach. Interesting. And the easiest way to not have an arg is to, is to never lose an argument is to never have an argument. Mm. Doesn't Mm. mean that we don't have to stay true to our beliefs. It means that instead of throwing a punch, a punch, or even being the first to throw a punch, we can just ask a very curious question. And this is tone as well as, yeah. Body of work. And I'll give a simple example from the book. In the OG version of exactly what to say, we share an example, which are the words, what do you know? And I've had dozens of people through the years say, I could never go to somebody and say, what do you know? <laughs> oh, well, you're right. You probably shouldn't. Huh. But you could say, look, like like from a pace of really puzzled bewilderment, it's like, like, what, what what do you know about like my life and 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 how it's different to what your life looks like you could ask that question mm. because quite often the answer is not much but if you can lay one percent of space for the fact that the behavior that, that person is adopting on a day-to-day basis could be full of very good reason that you don't understand for very great purpose that you are yet to be able to put a pin in you can enter into a conversation way more neutral now you might through that conversation, have them realize that they need to change some behaviors if they are going to have the audio match the video. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't have to provide that up. Yeah. And you cannot say the words, I'm not judging you whilst judging you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm not judging you right now, but why? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's That's interesting. And I wrote something else down here that was just, an understanding of of like this is that 
order of chaos piece. So you said, how do you know what to listen to? Yeah. Just understand the difference between opinion and advice. Mm. They both have value. Just understand the difference between opinion oh, yeah. and advice. Like, best example of this is book titles. How to sell books. Here's what people do, right? They're launching their new book. So they 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 poll to their Facebook friends the five covers and say, which one's your favorite? Yeah. So they just asked an audience of entirely non-qualified people to pick their favorite color. Yeah. And then believe that that was research. Yeah. As opposed to consulting an experienced professional in the book space or asking people that have published a number of books yeah. what lessons they've learned titling books and got some meaningful advice. What they do is they ask for opinions and then they believe that the opinions they got back are advice. They yeah. weren't their opinion. And opinions are valuable, but don't believe that an opinion is advice. Mm. And when you're looking to be able to get advice, you're looking to take advice from somebody who's been where you're going. Yeah. And if they yeah. haven't been where you're going, the best they can offer you is an opinion. Yeah. And I think that's really good too. And I, I appreciate the feedback on it because it's funny, everything that you said there, like when I look at how I treat people in business or how I, I don't know if treat is the right word, but how I have conversations with people in business, it's spot on. I'm obnoxiously curious. I, I would just sit there and I ask questions. I really do seek to understand. Right. And it's like, that's how I operate. And that's the, you know, the business is this. And then I go into the, like I say, the normal world, right. The right. Yeah. And it's like, you approach things, my, my, my patience level is, it's much shorter. Right. And, uh, it's interesting when you, when you, the, the tone and, and how you ask questions and then to sum that up with, with advice versus opinion. Right. And I think yeah. that that right there was probably the most helpful piece. I'm like, oh yeah, most of these people just have opinions, but that doesn't mean it's advice. Right. And I think that was really, really good. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you can listen to them, receive them and not have to argue with them. Yeah. You can say thank yep. you. Yep. And then disregard it. Yeah. Okay. So then fast forwarding to, or not fast forwarding, but like turning this back over to, because you've learned this a tremendous amount with this and you've dealt with these people, right? I'm sure you have your own, um, I don't know, struggles is the right word, but things that you're dealing with that you would love to have figured out, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, when you get, I love interviewing smart people. I love interviewing people like you that have knowledge or whatever, because it allows me to just be the listener and just ask questions and learn. And you're someone like with your level of things, like uh, I feel like a lot of it is advice, right? Like I can, I can take it. I can discern it. I can, you know, really learn from it here. What is something right now? Like it, it, you're going and you're wanting to get this idea, you know, build this, this concept of the idea, distribute it to more people, grow this, this vision of it. What's like one thing right now that like you're trying to figure out and that you're trying to overcome, if you will, like if this were a magic wand and I can wave a magic wand and go, poof, I can solve that problem for you. Or I could, you know, give you an answer on it. What would that be? Not that I'm going to give you advice. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the answer to that question is to be able to take my life's experience and levels of competence in things and pull the chip out and, and, and plug it into all the other people that touch our body of work. And mm. the challenge that I have when you protect a body of work around exactly what to say is I have to care about everything that we say. And, you know, we share things with freelancers to help produce copy for email sequences yeah. or for articles, et cetera. And yeah. you stumble into things that you like. I categorically was on a podcast the other day that said to never do this. And here I am with somebody doing it in my voice. 
I'm like, ah, I am an example of what I just taught people not to do because the skill transfer inside my organization is one of the hardest things to be able to, to mm. get right. And what I've learned to be true because we've got a number of people in my business that have been with us a long time is information and transformation are two different things. Mm. Is you can know it, yeah, but it requires to be able to execute it. And again, music is the best example of this, right? Somebody can play all the notes and some people can make music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it, it is that struggle. It's like, I think this is every entrepreneur's struggle. How do you get people to, to care at the same level that you care about yeah. everything? I've, I've learned to accept that you can't, but it doesn't stop me getting passionate about about trying. Yeah. And what I'm working on right now is to create a bar that other people can jump over because the risk that I have in my business right now, particularly as we move to this guides model and we have other people that are facilitating, yeah. if I'm the standard, then everybody else is failing. Wow. And that's an issue. And I've seen it in the direct sales industry mm. where what happens is in direct sales, MLM is people start parading the high achievers and the high earners. Yeah. And they wonder why everybody else is quitting. Because what you've got is you've got 17 super successful people in the business and 16,000 failures. Nobody likes to feel like a failure. Mm. So I'm learning to try and get out of my own way. I'm learning to not be the standard bearer. I'm learning to accept 7.6 out of 10 is pretty darn good. And my buddy Dan Martell you know, is like 80% done by somebody else is 100% freaking awesome. Mm. Um, That's a good point. Hmm. I've never thought about it that way. It's interesting when you say that, though. One of the things I always tell my students when they come in, because you know, I'm I'm type A and then you know, competitive and and all the things that you would expect in a you know an entrepreneur and and someone like me, right? But whenever come someone comes into my stuff, I always tell people, guys, I'm really dumb, right? And I'm like, because I, the reason I tell them that, and I and I believe it, right? Because I, I I'm not. I dropped out of college at, after a year. I was a C student in high school. I barely graduated. But I was like, because if I'm smart, then I have to make things sound smart. But if I'm dumb, then you guys will all believe you can do it, right? Right. And like anytime I've tried to sound smart in front of my clients, it's like the hardest way to get them a result. But every single time I tell them, I'm like, I'm dumb. Like I had to make this so simple so that I could do it because I'm dumb. They all crush it. And I think yeah. like that's that concept of the bar. Yeah, that's really interesting. And also, like I have to consciously now just not be in the rooms. Because mm. if I'm in a room, I'm going to see something and I'm going to say something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. So I have to just not be there. Like yesterday we had one of the things that we teach for our guides around exactly what to say is not so much. And we do this in our certification programs, not so much like learning the words. It's understanding the moments to use the words and then mm. understanding how to build recipes out of them. Like how do you stack from one question to the next question to the next question to the next question. How do you play chess moves when everybody else is playing checkers in moments of influence? Yeah. I deliver it like it's like it's child play. Like like this is yeah. Tony Hawk <laughs> flipping tricks, right? Yeah, and other yeah. people are going, wow. And I enjoy when people look at my work and be like, wow. But I'm realizing like I am crippling the performance of my team by needing to go in and be the party piece. There's times where I need to show a poster of possibility. Yeah is a stretch that we can reach but i'll show that when everybody's thinking they're 10 out of 10 not when they're working of getting from three three to seven when they think they're at 10 out of 10 
you know, we'll pull all the peeps into a room and when they think they're crushing it, we'll show them that they haven't reached bonus levels yet. Yeah. But I have to, I have to tether myself and be patient with that. Yeah. And, and this is a real struggle. So yesterday there was a whole stacking practice that happened that Chris, our head of learning and development ran, who's a school teacher at heart, who's putting curriculum around this, not wizardry, um, with, 17 of our guides and all i know is it was a great session and i see the chatter in our whatsapp thread and our slack thread that everybody had a good time i don't know what happened it's possible that they were coached on things that i wouldn't agree with and i've got to be okay with that like wow. i'm not going to listen to the recording <laughs> yeah 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 that's gotta be so hard that's gotta be so difficult man i appreciate all the wisdom i i do want to be respectful of your time because we're we're coming to time here um but this was fantastic. And I learned, I learned so much from it. I, I really, really do appreciate you. Uh, so freely sharing your wisdom um, with all of this. I have a couple rapid fire questions. Uh, like to kind of wrap this up before we get to that. Where can people find you? Like, where's the best place to have them follow you? I will we'll link it down in the description as well. But where's if you that? want to learn more about like the story and what we do as a, a suite of offerings, it's either philmjones.com or exactly what to say.com. Um, but if you just want to continue the conversation, then stop by on Instagram. Josh mentioned that's how we connected. I'm at Phil M. Jones UK. It's the only platform that I manage and service myself. I quite enjoy hanging out there. So um, come let me know that you've listened to Josh's podcast and that we met here and, and, and let me know something you took from today's discussion. Awesome. Guys, we will link that below Instagram as well as the websites. Go check it out. Highly recommend getting the book. Um, and I'm going to have to go see if I can go, I don't know, on eBay or something and find one of those limited edition 10,000 copies. Cause now I'm curious about it. So that I appreciate it. Address and I'll ship you one. I got a few here in the office. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, a couple of rapid fire questions here just at the end. Um, we talk a lot about influence and sales and, and, you know, money-making and, you know, things of that nature. What is like your number one piece of advice or yeah, I will use the word advice on intentionally here. What's your number one piece of advice that you could give someone, um, to go out and make more money? Um, I'm measuring my answer here because I'm trying to think who the people are and where they might be. And you can be uh, as broad or specific as as you want. I'll let you decide where you want to go with that question. But like, what maybe the better question is, what's one principle that you would advise okay. on um, making more money? Always be, always be better than your fee. Mm, that's good. You can kill a business by charging too much money and creating satisfactory or less than satisfactory outcomes and always work on growing your fee at the same time. So mm -hmm. always be better than your fee, but always be looking to grow your fee. And if your plan is to be able to build a bigger business, the last thing you want to be is, is stuck in a box. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're charging 500 bucks for something today, what are you doing to be able to charge 750 bucks for that thing in a year's time? What are you charging to be uh, doing to be able to charge a thousand bucks for that thing in two years' time? What are you doing yeah. to actually be able to add premium to your offering? I think is a question that you should always be asking. And I'll couple that, particularly for for young entrepreneurs, is if you cannot rewrite your biography every six months, you're not moving quick enough. Wow, that's good. That's good. With the okay. ultimate goal of getting to a one-word biography. If I've got introducing Eminem, no further information required, all right? Here's Beyonce, yeah. Oprah. One-word bio is the goal. Like, Ronaldo has done a good job of even knocking Ronaldo 
off the top of the Ronaldo one word bio game, right? Like, like, so that's the goal we're shooting for one word bio. And if you cannot rewrite your bio every six months, you're not moving quick enough. Cool. Cool. That's really good. Okay. Last rapid fire question here is uh, imagine you have a very large audience. So everyone that you've been called to serve, everyone that you've touched in life, uh, you're at the end of your life and you get to leave them with one message, one idea, but here's the caveat, everything else in life that you've ever shared or done, they will forget, right? Like they've known nothing except for this one statement of like, this is my message to them. But that message that you give them, they will believe is absolutely true and they will act accordingly. No, no justification needed, no context needed. Like this is the message. What's that message to people? In any moment of influence, the difference between you and people like you is to know exactly what to say, when to say, and how to make it count. I feel like you've said that one a few times. That's awesome. Yeah, that's powerful. Phil, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on and uh, looking forward to uh, getting all the feedback from everybody and we'll uh, push this out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all for today. Uh, make sure to go check out Phil, give him a follow, send him a message on Instagram, get the book, and we will see you next time. Take it easy, fam. Peace.